Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. I hope everyone had a very happy and safe new year. And I'm not really much for New Year's resolutions. Mine has typically been the same over the past 12 years. I want this year to be better than last year. And I think I've succeeded at that pretty much every year, definitely over the past couple of years. Last year was a big one for me. I started this podcast and I'm about six months in and I love it. I absolutely love it. It's It's been rough a little bit and sometimes I feel like I share too much and sometimes I feel like I don't share enough. It's taken a toll, but I was kind of going through Instagram and... Facebook and I follow this page on all social media accounts and it's called Shattered Bones and I'm going to hopefully be having her on as a guest here in the near future. She's a survivor of childhood trauma so uh, we'll get into the details of that when I actually have her on but if you don't follow her I highly recommend it. She is an amazing person and even though it's kind of been like I'm a follower type of relationship she's been like amazingly supportive for me and it's just from having another person that has gone through horrific things that you know posts a lot of memes and sayings and things that really hit home and close to home for me which is why I share a lot of quotes and things on my Instagram. And it's like, I hope that it brings peace to some other people. But she shared one and I saw it yesterday, actually. I don't remember the exact terms, but it was just like, I'm tired of just surviving. I want to start living. So I kind of reflected on that and what that meant to me because I just like, I stared at it for a few minutes and I'm like, wow, that is so powerful. And I kind of wanted to figure out for myself, like what I view as the difference between surviving and living. And obviously surviving is going through my safety plan, making sure that my family's safe, that I'm safe. You know, things like that, making sure all my doors are locked and I have my VPN, you know, all that stuff. And living is what I've been doing over the past few weeks, reading, which I enjoyed a lot when I was a kid. It was a good escape and I'm happy that I'm getting back into it. And I have been reading a fantasy novel series, which I never was really into, but I was missing out because this one's pretty amazing. So it's like I thought about it, you know, when I'm sitting and I'm reading, I just go into this world that the author is creating for me. But I'm just sitting in my recliner and I can hear my son doing his thing in the background and my husband doing his thing in the background. And it's just... Me being me, I'm just sitting in my recliner and reading a book. I'm not 
surviving i'm living and it is there is a difference surviving is so exhausting and i was looking through my old tiktok videos in my cloud and it's i said it a lot surviving is exhausting and i think for this year i want to start to live again and figure out what that means so if that's a new year's resolution then that's what mine will be is to start living I always am going to have to do things to keep myself safe. I mean, that goes without saying, but I don't need that to be the only thing that I do. I have a lot of hobbies that I love and a lot of things that I love to do, and I got to get back to that and remember that I survived, and I didn't survive to only survive. And there's another saying that I've seen that, you know, hits close to home. I didn't come this far to only come this far. So I feel like if I'm just wrapped up in all of my fears, then that's not living, that's surviving. So that to me is what the difference is. And my fear is a legit fear. They're not irrational, but... I don't need to let them consume as much of my life as I kind of have been and I didn't realize it. So it's definitely one of the changes that I want to make in my life and how exactly that's going to happen or what it's going to look like. I don't know. And I don't care that I don't know. It's like freeing to say that, you know, it's this big mystery. So I'm definitely going to keep reading. I've signed up with Goodreads. I put it actually in my link tree in case anyone want to co- wants to come and follow me. I don't have any friends on there except one, but I don't know how many readers I have that follow me, but it's been fun. And it's also helping me with the book that I'm writing. So that's living. That's me just living, but um, I'm excited. I'm excited about a lot of things. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which is shame that I feel, I kind of hold back on some things because I feel a certain amount of shame talking about them and admitting those things out loud at times. And I'll get into them in other episodes But I couldn't, like, figure out, like, is it shame because, like, I feel like I made bad choices or is it just that, like, voice that I hear, which isn't, like, a real voice, but, you know, like, my parents and the gaslighting and abuse and the you'll never be loved and no one will ever want to be with you, like... Is that where that shame is coming from? Like the PTSD or the after effects of, you know, what they had done to me while I was still in the life and in contact with them. So I watched this show and I think it kind of helped me to answer that question. And I'm not sure if a lot of you have heard of it, but it's called Army Wives. It's based on a book that was written by a wife whose husband was stationed at Fort Bragg. And I love that show. It's an old one. I think the last 
season was like 2012, 2013. So um, it's been a while, but I've seen it about a thousand times because I just I love that show. But the first season, uh, the very last episode, one of the wives had been having an affair, not the main character, but like one of the side antagonist type. And her husband, I don't want to say anything too graphic, but he had a certain something uh, vest strapped to his chest and walked into a bar where his wife was with uh, the man that she was having an affair with, but there was other people there. And it went off. And there was a lot of people that were hurt and a lot of people that were killed including one of the main character's daughters. And the first couple episodes in the second season show the mother grieving and the things that she kind of had to do to bring herself back to who she was. But the person that owned the bar gave it to one of the other main characters who had become like a daughter to her and she was rebuilding it so there was a woman that went on to that girl's best friend's radio show and said that you know she didn't think they should rebuild that they should build a memorial for the victims and there was some back and forth with her and the owner and you know Uh, she said something like, you know, you didn't lose anyone there. We did because nobody really knew who this woman was. And the woman went on to explain that she did lose someone. She lost her brother, but he wasn't one of the victims. He was the one that hurt all those people. And she talks about how nobody goes to visit the families of the people that do these horrific things. They don't get the, I'm sorry for your loss, that they have to live their lives trying to make up for the thing that their family member did. They didn't do it, but everyone looks at them and treats them like they did. So she went to the parents of the girl that had passed away to apologize. And it was a little rough at first, But eventually the father said, you know, I can't forgive you because you didn't do anything wrong, but I can forgive your brother. And it was just this amazing scene. And I thought about like how much I relate to that woman because I didn't do the horrible things that my parents did. And... I just still feel like, you know, shame about it. And I think I internalized it a lot and was like feeling shame that wasn't meant for me. I was ashamed of them. But since I was internalizing it, it was kind of holding me back from talking about certain things and in so many ways. So... I remember when my father had gotten arrested, we had to go stay at my aunt's house because there was just some media issues and people, 
I guess, harassing us. I don't really quite remember everything. But, I mean, there is like a 50-50% chance that they lied about it. But we, anyways, we went to go stay with family when he got bailed out when he was first arrested. And I remember one time I went by someone in the neighborhood. I walked by them at the mall and they had made remarks. I don't even remember what the remarks were exactly, but it was about what my father had gotten arrested for. And I felt like, you know, I had the scarlet A on me. Like, I didn't do what he did, but I was forever going to be associated with that. And I was going to have to live with his sins and also the sins of my mother. I don't know how many people knew how much she was involved with everything that he did. So I want to work on that shame and figure out how do you let go of what the people that hurt you did. When I first started sharing my story on TikTok, it was a comment that I got a lot. And I think I've spoken about it before where people kind of said, you know, if you don't give their names, then you're protecting them and you're at fault for them doing it to other people. If you didn't speak up, then anything that happened to anyone else is your fault. And I don't know how much these were actual people or one of the sock puppet accounts that continued to come after me and say nasty things and are probably my parents. But I didn't do what they did. And I don't, I don't deserve to hold the shame on me. It's not my cross to bear. It's theirs. So... I have to learn to let go of that, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that, but definitely going to work on it, you know. When things happen, and I've been reading about, you know, children, survivors of sadistic parents, and I, you know, spoke about the one book, and what that forensic psychologist said, like the damage for these kids is done prior to them even knowing that everything isn't normal. So, I mean, I did eventually realize what happened to me was not normal. And I don't know exactly what I did with that when I found that out because it's like it was normal. And I did love my parents at some point. And I know people probably can't figure out how I could love people that forced me to do these horrible things and allowed these horrible things to happen to me and did these horrible things to me. But I did love them because they were my parents. And yeah, I miss not having parents. I don't miss them anymore, but... I miss having parental figures, I guess. But I feel like I carry their sins with me. And I carry their cross or burden, however you want to put it. And maybe that's why I 
I'm reluctant on sharing certain things that I still feel ashamed to talk about. But the truth of it all is I didn't have a choice. And even if I got in my car at 22 years old and went to a sale, I didn't have a choice. I mean, there is this... Uh, the word is not coming to me, misconception, I guess, that once you turn 18, your parents can no longer control you. But think about it, though. You've had all these horrific things happening that were so normal to you. You didn't even know that they weren't. You felt like things were off. But, you know, it's not as easy as just getting up and moving because you're of age. And... When I did do that, it wasn't exactly the best experience. And, you know, because I moved in and married my ex-husband. So it was just this cycle of abuse. And I'm starting to kind of go through some things. And I think, like, there was a cycle of generational abuse. And maybe it wasn't all sex trafficking. But there was definitely abusive behavior, controlling behavior, by other family members that I have. I mean, the one that's kind of popping in my head now is one of my aunts. You know, um, she stopped by my house. She worked at the Disney store. I've talked about her. And she brought me brown mascara. And we had like this little vestibule type thing with a bench right outside our door. And she sat me down and handed me this brown mascara. Um... I don't remember exactly how old I was when this happened, but it was right around the time that, you know, teenage girls really start wearing makeup when they're out. And she's like, we can't have people thinking you're only a hooker or something to that effect. And I shouldn't be wearing the black eyeliner and the black mascara. So she wanted me to use a more natural look when I wasn't on sales. But now... I see that as abuse. And even if she didn't know what was happening, which I firmly believe she did, but even if she wasn't a part of it, she was kind of like an accessory in a way because she did not sit me down in that vestibule and say, what's happening to you isn't normal. How can I help you? She was trying to help me look like I was living this normal life. So when I say like generational abuse, I kind of mean that because my whole family did it. And it's like, if I called one of my aunts today and asked them a question, it would always be, I don't want to get involved. And that's why I'm no contact with my entire family because I mean, even a cousin I never knew I had that I reached out to when I did my ancestry DNA, they even basically said the same thing to me. I mean, they weren't honest with me and now they're just ignoring me. And it's like, damn, the family secret getting exposed. She's remembering. And I'm, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what they're thinking, but you know, it's, it feels like that. And it feels like that because that's how my family was. But I broke that cycle 
because I refuse to allow the family secrets to stay secret. And I refuse to allow my children to have any part in that. And it's not easy to do that. The people that break this cycle in toxic, sadistic families are very strong people, I think. And um, they go through it the worst. I have been talking with a friend and we've been kind of sharing some things. And, you know, she asked about my brothers and if they were still in contact. And my younger one, he's not. He's not in contact with my parents. Took him some years, but he eventually, well, at least the last time I spoke to them, he had cut them off. But my older brother still does. And... I remember back when I got the restraining orders, like I can remember the fear that I felt because my father had always said I could never make something of myself and I could never live without them. I would always need them. And whether it was to babysit or to teach me how to pay bills or to pay my bills when I didn't have the money to, whatever excuse he gave, I was always going to need them. And when I got the restraining orders, I mean, that was it. I was going to be cut off. And it wasn't just like they weren't going to help because I didn't want their help, but it was going to turn into the, if you're not with me, you're against me. And nobody that's in contact with me is going to be allowed to be in contact with you because that's just the mentality that he had. And my brothers weren't able to break that cycle. And maybe it's because they did not go through the things that I went through. Maybe they did. I really honestly don't know. They've never said it to me. So that's all I know is they've never told me that they went through anything. So, but it was hard to walk away and get the restraining order. It wasn't just a no contact order. It was a lot stronger, I guess, of a no contact, the restraining order. Like there's a lot more restrictions, but it was my saving grace. It was the first thing that I did that helped me to become who I am today. And it was the starting point of breaking the cycle. And it's like I said, you know, in a game of catch, if you don't throw the ball back, what happens? Game over. That was my game over. I got the ball that day and I kept it. And I mean, I've had brief contact, I think maybe two, three phone calls in 12 years. Haven't had any in over six, but they were for specific reasons that I'll get into another day. But kind of breaking apart from your own family is so difficult. And the biggest thing is, how do you explain to somebody that you love your parents, even though they're this horrible person and they do horrific, horrendous things? But I mean, my parents are evil, but they didn't always show it. 
and they did things that normal parents do. And I don't know, sometimes I kind of miss the normal things. And I mean the normal in the actual normal definition of the word, you know, but I still feel like I hold a lot of guilt of what they did. And it wasn't just guilt from what they did to me, but what I feel like I might have played a part in allowing them to do to other people. And my part in it was just not saying anything and not coming forward and not speaking my truth sooner. But I don't own that guilt. It's not mine to carry because I didn't know. I did not know that the things they were doing was wrong because like that one forensic psychologist explained, children of sadistic parents, by the time they realize their parents are who they are, the damage to their souls is already done. And it definitely was for me when I escaped. I had something amazing to live for when I escaped, and that was my daughter's. And I feel like sometimes I put too much pressure on them because they're my heroes. And they are. They saved my life. If I did not have my daughters, I wouldn't be here. They gave me, well, still do, give me a reason for living. They gave me a reason to escape to finally break this cycle, this generational thing that had been going on forever. Because in my family, it was just don't talk about it. That was the solution. We just don't talk about it. We don't want to get involved. Like these are the things I'm constantly hearing. But I won't do that. And now I don't get into graphic details, obviously, with my children, what I went through. But they know that bad things happened. And they know to a certain level what those bad things were because I can't protect them from my parents if they don't know who they are. And I obviously didn't tell my daughters right away all the bad things, but I waited until they were older and I actually wrote them letters when I was in the hospital when they first went to their dad that I gave to my oldest last year when she turned 18 and in two years no yeah two years when my youngest turns 18 she'll get hers but it's just you know explaining why I did the things that I did you know because I wanted to wait until they were old enough to make decisions on their own so they didn't feel trapped So if they wanted to say to their dad, like, you know, I just don't want to live with family anymore. The word family doesn't mean anything to me. They have that option to do it because that's kind of how I am. It's like the family you choose is your true family, not the family that you were given. And I want to make sure that my daughters get to choose who their family is and You know, they've chosen their father and their stepmother, who was also the family that they were given. And that's okay. I respect their decisions, you know. But it's like, 
going back to what that woman said about, you know, nobody really says that they're sorry for their loss and nobody really separates them from what the horrible things that their family members have done. I I get that and I feel it and I think I do it to myself. So I'm definitely going to work on releasing myself of that guilt and that shame and I think that's really going to help play a part in me shifting from surviving to living because I don't want to survive anymore. I'm exhausted. It's work every single day, all the time, and I don't want to do it anymore, but I do want to live. I survived when most don't. And I wasn't supposed to. And I have this life that I was never supposed to have. And it's pretty amazing. My husband's awesome. I'll be posting his interview later this week. So you'll kind of get to know him a bit. And my son is amazing. My daughters are too much like me. We'll just say that. Um... They mess with my Hulu profile names, and they're they're not as funny as they think they are, but I just, I have amazing people in my life now, and I have, it's not a big support system, but it's a good one, and it's like, sometimes people aren't there every day, but living means I don't need them to be, and... I stopped meeting with my advocate, not because she's a crappy advocate, but I just, I wanted a friend. I wanted to kind of, I think the easiest way to put it is I think our relationship became too codependent and I was depending too much on her. So becoming friends and leaving a professional relationship and turning it into a more personal one was so much better. She feels bad because she doesn't always have time for me, but it's like, I don't want you to always have time for me. I want to be able to live and to be able to come to you just when I need you. And I don't want to need you every day. So she's awesome. I'm hoping to get her on as a guest. I've been begging her, so fingers crossed. But she's going to come on as a survivor and explain her story, not, you know, as an advocate to me specifically. That is a sacred and very confidential relationship. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that I can take from this episode as I've sat here and went, I think I've went up and down on some thoughts, but the biggest thing I want people to take from it, if you're a survivor and listening is start living, stop just surviving. You know, you're strong enough to survive the things that you went through and you're strong enough to live the life you were supposed to have in the first place. And it took me 12 and a half years and it could take someone 20 years. Who cares how long it takes us? 
as long as we do it, you know, self-care is so important. So do one thing for yourself. If it's, if you're only able to do it once a week and it's just to take a shower with some music on and, you know, just enjoy the shower for what it is instead of thinking of it as a task that we have to do every day. Do it. I mean, I've been reading every day and that's my self-care and I feel refreshed every time and it's not fun that my husband doesn't want to hear about my book and the face he makes though it's kind of funny when he's like oh okay fairies yeah you're talking about your book (laughs) but do stuff for yourself and if you feel guilt and you feel shame try to reflect on it dig deep into it and see is it yours or is it theirs and I know that my guilt and my shame is theirs not mine so I'm going to release myself from it because if it's not mine then I don't need it on my soul on my mind on my back wherever it's sitting so I hope other people are able to do that too because that is one of the most important things I'm realizing is to let go of that guilt. And to me, that is what forgiveness means. So I didn't forgive my parents for what they did to me, but I did forgive myself for what they did to me because I didn't allow it, but I did allow that guilt to kind of follow me along like this dark cloud. So just let it go. It's not easy and it takes work, but you are strong enough to survive. You're strong enough to do this too. So I hope that you are able to let go. And I hope that anyone that is listening can kind of take everything I've said and maybe they can turn it into their own inspiration, you know, because this all started for me with one meme that just said, I want to stop surviving and I want to start living. And it just took me down this journey. So I hope that it can bring peace to people because it has brought a lot of peace to me. If anyone is struggling and wants to reach out to me on social media, you are more than welcome to. All the links are in the link tree and my bio for all different social media. And I mean, I answer even if someone comments on my videos on TikTok, I try to answer every single person. But live the life that you weren't supposed to live and live it as beautifully as the one that you should have had all those years. I want to thank you all for all your continued love and support. And I am just going to leave it there for now. And I'm going to go spend some time with my family, maybe take a nap, but I'm definitely going to get back to reading my book. And I hope y'all have the most amazing year yet. I plan to, and I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to make sure that this year is better than the last. I will talk with y'all soon. Thank you so much for the support. 
because as much as my daughters saved my life 12 years ago, y'all are saving it now. <laughs>